Well, the Pod on You Loons back to EPL special continues, and we have a couple of very familiar voices for listeners of the show and just listeners of the greater Minnesota United podcast community. We have the Lude Bros, we have Captain James, and we have Grant Rance both joining us. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing very well, thank you. It's uh, it's great to be here. You know, we've got the Lud Bros. We're together. First time. I got to be honest, I'm actually a little bit insecure. So I was just recently told about my podcasting that I have a very natural Wisconsin accent, which is not a compliment. And I have to compete with James now, who's got a very nice accent. So it's like, great. Like, okay, I'm going to try to talk deeper and a little bit less accentuating my O's and A's. So who has more of a Wisconsin accent between yourself and me? I think I, I, I think I do. Okay. And I don't, that's not a compliment or a diss necessarily. I just, I'll hear myself say things and be like, okay, come on, man. You're not, you're not in Fargo. Like kill me. You would think as for somebody as long winded as I am, that I like the sound of my own voice. I hate it. I actually talk loudly and quickly so that I can't hear myself talk. That's kind of my goal. Well, no one likes the sound of their own voice. That's true. It's awful. Except James. It James does. Sound good. Love his voice. Wow. I mean, you've been yeah. blessed. I've been blessed. Pe- people like the sound of my voice, apparently, especially females. It, it seems according to uh, analytics. I don't make the rules, man. Well, hey, the only the analytics that matter is the fact that we, James and I, were correct on our assumption that Robin Lude would have a great 2020 campaign. And I would say we are very vindicated in that. I 100% agree. We were the captains of the train. No one else wanted to even be on the train. And now everyone wants to join this train. You know, and if this doesn't take us too far off course on the train that's on a track, if I don't derail the train, do you have a favorite Robin Lude goal? It's got to be the one. uh, I don't even remember who it's against. He scored so many. Uh, It's the one at uh, outside the box where he just whips the left foot, like basically one touch into the top corner. Top Um, bins. Was that his two goal game? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. I know which one you're talking. It kind of curved a little bit. Oh yeah. Yep. Okay. That's, that would have been mine. So, all right, we got the same one. Well, we have the president and the vice president of the Robin Lud fan club, but we are not here to talk about Robin Lud. Though it is great that these two are finally together on the same pod at the same time after watching them go back and forth on Twitter for these past several months. James is here to talk about Arsenal. Grant is going to talk about Manchester United. And because we don't know anyone that follows Manchester City, you get the three of us to talk a little bit about Manchester City too. Well, if you ask a Manchester United fan, they would say that nobody follows City. So take that as you will. Not missing much. I reached out. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. But let's start off with Arsenal. So James, and you deviate a little bit from the theme of the podcast in the sense that you are not American. You don't live in the United States. You grew up in Guildford, England. That's in Surrey, right? Surrey, yep. Good memory. You grew up in Guildford, then moved to Australia. But James, just remind us all, how did you become an Arsenal guy? Because you're not from North London. So how did you become an Arsenal guy? Yeah, I mean, it was just like, I've been an Arsenal fan as long as I can remember, uh, to be honest. Like, it's one of those things where growing up at school, you're always, you know, you played like five-a-side football or something at break time or recess or lunchtime and... Yeah, I mean, you would always like pick a side and pick a team that you wanted to be. And yeah, I just always just picked Arsenal. And I guess it's just always it's just always been Arsenal uh, for as long as I can remember. I was just I was born into it. I've always admired Arsenal as an American EPL fan, you know, who kind of I picked my team early. And we'll, we'll talk about that later. So not to distract. But you guys have a cool logo. You had Thierry Henry, who like one of the coolest players to ever watch, you know? So I always, I liked to think that if I wouldn't have been a Man United fan, I know this sounds uncomprehensible, 
when you think about like the rivalries and whatnot. But if I wouldn't have been a Man United fan, I might have been an Arsenal fan, honestly. Like it, just cool jerseys, cool history, good team. Um, Correct color. You're, the, the fan base is all very bitter and angry, which is kind of like my whole thing too. So <laughs> it is a very yeah. angry fan base online. Do you ever notice that? I feel like Arsenal fans are probably the angriest. Yeah, Arsenal fan TV is uh, one of those things that's just... Well, let's tie it back to Minnesota because when we were talking earlier this year about Heath Out and trying to figure out what Heath Out was all about, James was like, you guys, you have no idea. Like, I've been an Arsenal fan my entire life. Heath Out is not a big deal. There is always someone who needs to be out. There is always someone that people are chanting for their name to be out. Yeah, the Heath Out guys, like, come, yeah, you got history, man. You, you've you've got some people who are Arsenal fans for a long time with Wenger out, all right? You you guys are getting uppity at Heath Out. You don't know. You don't know what it's like. You know, this is Which the second I, club. I remember when people were saying Wenger out, and I could not, I couldn't wrap my head around it. Because, you know, in hindsight, right, obviously everyone hits a retirement age, but, like, he was a classic coach. He was incredible. He was a really, really good coach for Arsenal. Is there any like additional backstory you can add to why the the fever pitch hit such a you know high level towards the end of his his coaching career? I just felt like, why do you want this coach who's gotten you so many trophies out of your your club? You know. Yeah, and I think it's you know there's there's a multitude of things. You know, we weren't. We weren't winning, like we like didn't make the the Champions League for the first time in many, many, many years. I think we had like twenty straight years that we were in the Champions League. And then, you know, 2016-17, we came fifth. And yeah, like the, there was just a lack of money being spent, a lack of investment in the club. And yeah, it's the same thing that kind of happened in Australia with a prime minister, you know. After so much time, you, you just kind of want to change. Like 20 years is is such a long time to be with one club. When they say, what have you done for me lately? You know, that's the, the saying. Yeah. yeah James, you blocked me at the comparison to the Australian prime minister because no one in the United States knows who that is. Ah, excellent. Yeah. Um, it's a kangaroo, but, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, no, we had a prime minister called John Howard who had basically been in there for 12 years and was doing a perfectly fine job, but everyone just got super bored of having the same person in charge like the whole time. So like he basically just got voted out completely, like didn't even win his seat or anything. After you go on that long, people just want to change eventually. Okay. You, you learned something new. So back to Arsenal though. James, like in the United States, so in Minneapolis, there is a big, I think they call themselves the MSP Gooners. That's a big supporters group for Arsenal. Where I'm from in Madison, there's another big Arsenal group in in the city of Madison. I I traveled to Charleston, South Carolina, and was at a random, random little microbrewery and saw a flag for the Charleston Gooners or whatever they call themselves there. There are Arsenal groups all over the United States. Is it like that in Europe? Yeah. Like you'll have, it's kind of like more country, obviously like, you know, the States is huge, right? So you have multiple groups for each kind of place. Whereas where we are, it's kind of like, we have mainly like one or two groups for like the whole of the Netherlands, as far as I'm aware. To be honest, I haven't really looked into it in like our own country, but yeah, I mean, there are definitely like a bunch of groups um, and because there's like so much, it's the same as what you guys have. Like there's so many you know, different clubs to support. You know, the three of us all support a different club. Uh, so there's just a lot of like diversity here as well. And like when the games are on in bars and stuff, when when we can still go outside, you would find a lot of people out there kind of wearing all different Premier League shirts as well, watching games. Is there one that tends to be most popular? I don't think so. I think kind of everything's kind of spread. I mean, you get people that follow like particular players. So like Arsenal in particular has always been kind of well-loved because of Mark Overmars and Dennis Burkamp and, you know, a string of Dutch players. 
but generally, you know, Dutch players have kind of played everywhere, like Jupp Stam and, you know, those Rude kind Van of players. Yeah, Ruud van Nistelrooy. You know, Man United is the same, right? Man United's had a couple of Dutch players. It's definitely when they kind of go overseas. That's kind of who Dutch fans are more likely to follow. Because I believe it's Manchester United who got that player from Ajax over the summer, right? Yeah, we have Donny van de Beek. And, and I'll wait to go really deep into it, but um, big fan of him. I like Ajax a lot. And so when we signed him, I was very excited. I, I think that's pretty fun. James hates Ajax, but that's, yeah. a, that's a podcast for another More of a Feyenoord kind of guy or what? No, FC Utrecht. Actually. Oh, yeah, okay. So we play Ajax tomorrow. Uh, today, actually. Well, tomorrow for us. Today for yeah, you. Tomorrow yeah. for you. Yeah. Oh, and sorry, how am I forgetting? Edwin Vandersar, one of the greatest goalies, who is now the, I think, the president or CEO of Ajax, was a Manchester United legend, too, of course. Yep. So, James, how's the season going so far, right? With the Premier League, with the Europa League, how's it going? It's definitely, it's going. <laughs> it's definitely a tale of two halves. To start with the good... Uh, the Europa League, we are crushing it at the moment. We finished the group stage, six wins, zero losses, 20 goals we scored, five goals we let in. Perfect record, goal difference of 15, smashed it. Happy days. We love Europe. Has Arsenal ever won a European Cup? <laughs> no. Has any team from London ever won a European Cup? Yep. Okay. Sorry, off task. I'm a horrible teacher, right? Like <laughs> teaching is my profession and I I am as bad as any student I've ever ever taught. So the the, the gloating teacher. <laughs> I wouldn't gloat to my kids. <laughs> How's the EPL going for you, man? To be honest, uh horribly. We are four wins from twelve games, and we have four losses and a draw in our last five games. And we are 15th, a mere five points above relegation. So apparently we left all our talent in Europe. Uh, now, was this expected? No. So you would have heard me talk about a few months ago in our like pre-EPL discussion about how we definitely needed to improve our defense. But our attack looked the goods. Well, we still need to improve our defense because uh, we've let in 15 goals, which is actually not that many. Like Man United's let in more, for example, just picking a random team. But just a random team. Just, just a random team. But we're just not scoring goals. I mean, on the weekend, Obama Young scored into his own goal, which is not helpful. But we're just, we're just lacking firepower and cre creativity, to be honest, which was not something that I think we expected in the offseason. You know, we, were, we kind of assumed that we had that part down pat and we always needed just more defense. Very, very innocent question that is not meant to incite any anger, James. But what happened to Pepe? Because I remember he was like supposed to be the next hot thing. Um, and he gets compared to a lot of the youngsters around, you know, the EPL. Do you know of anything going on with him? Like, he does not seem as promising as he was supposed to be. Yeah, to be honest, it's it's one of those weird things. Like, I really thought that that he would be, like you say, like this savior and this this amazing player. And he just... He's supposed to be that hot young winger that, like created chances, scored goals, etc., and it just didn't seem like he really took that leap that you'd want to see. Yeah, I, I, I honestly think it's the way we play. It's got to be like the way we line up. You know, like we don't even start Lacazette and Obama Young in the same team, which is a tragedy, basically, because we have two, these two amazing strikers and we're not even starting them on the same field, which we're getting better at. But yeah, I, I I really don't know. Like he just, we're probably mismanaging. It's probably like a lot situation. Like if we just put him somewhere else, like he'd probably be really great. But we just haven't quite figured that one out yet. So Arteta out? 
It's so tough. Like, I don't want to jump on the Arteta out bandwagon. Goodness knows there's still the Heath out bandwagon. And we've just come off the um, Emery out bandwagon as well. We're a lot of we're a lot of hashtag manager out in Arsenal. I don't think so. You know who definitely is out? Granit Xhaka. Get that guy out. Oof. If Granit Xhaka add, should have been out a long time ago. If you could add any player from any team, so yeah, go. I mean, go wild with this one. But it's got to make your team better in the long run. What player would you add to Arsenal? So let me, let, me, let me phrase that while you think, like, you could add Messi, but know that, you know, he's really kind of at the twilight of his career. He probably won't be much better for, you know. So who, who would be a player you would add to add long-term success to Arsenal? Uh, Erling Haaland. Oh, I like that. That's a good choice. I'm, it would kill me as a Borussia Dortmund fan, but <laughs> Erling Haaland, definitely. It would kill you that your favorite team takes from my favorite team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or even jo- Jadon Sancho. Oh, don't get me started. No, not a fan. Well, well I mean, we'll, we'll get into the Manchester United portion of the, the talk later and, and Jadon Sancho will come up certainly. Yeah. But yeah, I think Erling Haaland is just the guy's on another level. Like, and he's 20, Right. So that's just, there's longevity there. Now, could you make the argument that a young American named Giovanni Reina, who's assisting all of those Erling Holland goals, maybe might be the, the catalyst to that? You're saying like Reina is the Reynoso to our lot. Uh, I could say that. I'm also half joking because Holland is insanely good. But Reina looks really right. promising. Yeah, no, I, I'm mostly just joking. As an American, I'm insanely nationalistic about any American players overseas, so. I got that in the general vibe that not only you, but, like, Twitter gets whenever any American does anything in Europe. It's one of those things where it's like, did you know that two U.S. players have scored in Europe today for the first time in, like, 25 years? I'm like, okay. You don't understand, though. Like, he doesn't get it. He doesn't get it. This is your James. This is your first real exposure to America soccer fandom, right? Am I am I correct in saying that you've been following the NFL for a while? You've had a favorite Major League Baseball team, a favorite NHL team, but this past year is your exposure to American soccer fandom, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, you have n- nuts. You have no idea how much we get teased anytime we try to ask for a soccer game to go on TV at Buffalo Wild Wings. We hear from the waiter or waitress. I don't know if we have that channel. And we're like, really? You don't have NBC Sports Network? You have that channel. Like, James, this is what we go through. And so we're coming from that to making a splash at teams like Dortmund and Barcelona and Chelsea. Juventus. Juventus. Dude, let us have this. Okay? Let us have this. Don't be a Euro snob, James. You're facing you're facing fifth child syndrome, where you're just you know you're the fifth child in the family, and you just you're just seeking recognition, aren't you? No, well, here's this sight. Just want to be loved. Let us have this. <laughs> we're excited. We're excited for the for for the future, and, and I think like as any American who played soccer at a young age, just like Sam is saying, there's an aspect of you most certainly got bullied for it at one point. Like we've all been called the slurs, field fairy, whatever. Like people make fun of you for it. No, they do. Like the cross country team, right? I was on the cross country team, and we would run past you guys and yell field fairies at you. Oh, Sam was one of them. Sam was one of them. That's that's a new insult. That's a new insult for me. We talked about redemption earlier, right? Here's 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 where I'm getting at, right? So so we got (laughs) almost. There's no variation on that with the American soccer experience. Every single American soccer player got teased, which might I add, not to go on a grant rant here, but like we got teased by baseball players who, okay, what what physical contact is in baseball? Oh, you get hit by a ball. Okay, sure, that hurts. It does, but like that's not part of the game. So if we're talking about stuff that's part of the game, that it just it's such a weak argument. People watching baseball would tell me it's soccer's boring. 
okay, I have to sit through a, a Twins game. Sorry if you're Twins fans, people who are listening, but I sit through a Twins game and people are like doing batting practice for 45 minutes. Like, give me a break. Okay. So as an American soccer fan, I had to listen to all that. Just like Sam said, you're begging, you know, the important game to put onto the, the bar TV and they don't even have the channel or they claim they don't. Right. And for once, American soccer is good. Like we're doing better. And the fact that we've been playing this weird numbers game of like, we have 300 million people in the U S compared to Australia's what? 25 something million. Right. And you guys have probably had better teams than us largely for a lot of, of your history. And so we finally are on the winning side of those numbers where we're seeing success. We're seeing players who are young and exciting and interesting and fun. And we're amped. We're amped for our team. I don't speak for everybody because I'm sure there are weirdos who are like overly nationalistic about it. I'm just amped that the country that I'm from finally has good players that I can go, yeah, I can pretend that's me. That was my soccer dream. I would have loved to go overseas and, and play soccer in Europe. Right. If our development academies were just a little bit more developed in the 90s and early 2000s, Grant, that would have been you. That would have been me. You, you would have been interviewing me, Grant Hirschberger, Manchester United, right back. You know, that I probably would have been a right winger. Let's be honest. Probably right winger. Okay, so Australia does have 25 mil. It's grown a bit. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I, Googled it. It. I Googled that. Yeah, I, it was 20 mil when it was like 18 mil when I moved there. So let's get back to yeah. that, guys. Yeah, I mean, watching, watching <laughs> Wales versus the US, I can understand why you guys are excited. You know, you have like a young squad and it's a very young squad. And there's a lot of like, you know, it's going to be there for a lot of years. So I get it. You're allowed some hype. I mean, hey, we tease you guys, you know, in Europe. We Euro snob America, so. And so we've just, we've had, a, we've had a lot of like brutal losses. We had the uh, USA versus Belgium exit out of the World Cup. I think that's the Wondolowski uh, sitter that he missed, which Chris Wondolowski is one of the highest, if not the highest MLS the highest. Of, of all time. Yeah. So just brutal. Like we've just had some terrible exits out of world cups and so those of us who like soccer in america we are very excited we're also bitter i think because the british gave us association football which was shortened then to soccer and so we call it soccer and everyone says it's not soccer it's football that came from from a british term soccer is a is a british term that we were given and now everyone wants to make fun of us for it. And I so my friends Oxford, are, actually, yeah. Yeah. You can't get more British than Oxford. Unless you're a Cambridge man. Well, James, for any listener that has yet to claim their EPL team, why would you tell them to subject themselves to Arsenal? <laughs> well, we are still the only club in Premier League history to have a perfect season. 38 unbeaten games, golden Premier League trophy. And we will reach there again. We will go back to Europe and we will, I mean, we crush Europe, but we'll get back to the Champions League. We'll rebound. It might be Arteta out. Who knows? Too early to tell. But, you know, we've got a great logo. Grant admitted it himself. We've got a great color. Red is super striking. And, uh, yeah, we have passionate fans. We're, uh, we're always ready to get behind the club. Well, Grant, we turn it to you. You came on to talk about Manchester United. Our listeners can't see this, but you got a pretty sweet jersey. It's all, all black with a red accent. Bruno Fernandez, so it must be pretty new. Is that this year's jersey? That is. Uh, it's last year's alternate. Um, so I have an old Ryan Giggs jersey. That was my other Manchester United jersey. Yeah, a little throwback, a little throwback, winger action. And I, I just, I kind of took a break from buying jerseys for a while. Didn't really buy English Premier League jerseys for a bit. Obviously, I would only buy Man United. But when we finally, we had a, a Emmanuel Reynoso style saga with Bruno Fernandez, where we 
we're going to sign him. And then it totally was off. And then we weren't going to sign him and we were going to sign him. We weren't going to sign him. And finally we signed Bruno Fernandez. And so I was very excited. So I went out and bought a Bruno Fernandez jersey right away. But let's rewind a little bit from that. Grant, why don't you tell us, tell the listeners, how did you become a Manchester United supporter in the first place? You know, so I'm not going to lie, Sam. It's a very niche reference. I was a early middle schooler in the early aughts, so early 2000s. And I was watching my favorite online cartoon show, which was Homestar Runner. Some of you may know it, some of you may not. And in an episode of Homestar Runner, they have a Thanksgiving episode. It's distinct because this is like so ingrained in my memory that when I was a middle schooler, I'm watching this Homestar Runner episode. It's a Thanksgiving Thanksgiving episode. And one of the characters says, I'm thankful for Manchester United. And soccer fan Grant, like I, I was a soccer fan since the age of eight. I, I loved playing it. I was a small child, so it was one of the only sports that I didn't get completely bossed around at. I was good at running, so I loved soccer. And and they said Manchester United, and I said, uh, I think I get that that's a sports team. And I remember signing on to my dial-up internet I had to ask my parents to hang up their phones and I could dial up the internet. And I went on to askjeeves.com and looked up Manchester United and was like, oh man, they got a cool red jersey, bright colors. This is my team. And so I picked them. That was the big team. I was a Manchester United fan ever since. Only from then did I learn more and more about the history and Sir Alex Ferguson. It helped that my High school in Wisconsin was very close to Madison, so it was just outside of kind of the city area of Madison, about 20 minutes out, and we got a lot of foreign exchange students. So inevitably, these foreign exchange students would know of Manchester United, or they'd like Manchester United. Shout out to Jonas, Jonas from Norway, my my boy who bought me my first Manchester United book, which I got to read some history on that. It's called The Men in Black. It's a history of the infamous Manchester United soccer firm, supporters firm, hooligans, for those of you who know. Or, you know, good friend Lucas from Brazil, who was a big Chelsea fan when Manchester United and Chelsea went head-to-head in the Champions League. We made a bet on that Champions League game. So it all started from there and just kind of cultivated and, and built over the years. That is cool. That's a unique story, Grant. I... Homestar Runner is not how most people pick their soccer yeah. teams. but And the fact that it involved dial-up internet, like, I was expecting you to say, oh, I, I, I knew a guy in high school that liked Manchester United, and so he kind of got me into it. That's what I expected, and I would have been totally fine if that was what you said, but Homestar Runner, your AOL dial-up internet, that's pretty cool. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's, it's a little different. I, I appreciate that you track that reference because that that's going to be kind of a very specific reference for some people. Some people will get it. Some people won't. But uh, yeah, it, it has been fun at times. It's been painful at times. We've all been there. <laughs> now, Grant, are you a big part of the local Manchester United fandom in Minnesota? Do you go to watch parties? Are you a part of the Minnesota Reds? Do you go to the local... You know anything about that? You a part of that or? Um, yeah, no, I, I'm aware of I'm aware of the community here in Minneapolis. And I'm sure once COVID kind of goes away or whatever it's going to do uh, or kills us all, who knows? Uh, but once COVID goes away, you know, I would love to go to more watch port parties. I think that one of the biggest blocks to that is how early some of these games can be and on my Saturday mornings I love to just watch the games on my iPad in bed and not get out of bed so it's tough to drag me out to watch these games I have a good friend Kang Wan he moved off to Boston but he used to be I mean he still is a very big Tottenham fan Uh, he used to drag me to the local and those kind of uh, soccer bars and I would watch games with him um, but ever since he moved away, I just, I don't really feel like, you know, putting on pants and going out into a public place when I can just watch Manchester United underperform in the comfort of my own home. So that's where I'm at now. So you mentioned underperforming. 
how is the season going? Would you say Manchester United is, is underperforming? I know I myself, I had Manchester United in my preseason top four. How would you describe the season, Grant? Well, so I don't know the exact year. I'm, I'm going to set up some backstory here for a second, but I don't know the exact year. I, I know that sometime in the early 2000s, the Glazers family, the, the Glazers who own the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, purchased Manchester United. They're an American family, purchased Manchester United, one of the historically great teams um, in England. And ever since then, they have been slowly sucking the life out of the team. And I think of, apologies for politics, but I think of the Manchester United Glazer relationship to the Donald Trump America relationship, which is this could be so much better, but the people in charge are absolutely sifting all of the best things out of this organization. 2005. That, 2005, yes. 2005. So the long-winded analogy aside, Manchester United is a team that has the support, has the finances to be one of the premier teams in the English league. They, they have the world in the world. They, they have the support and the money to be one of the best teams in the world. And every single year our penny pinching owners refuse to do anything to support the current coach. We've had David Moyes, Louis van Gaal, Jose Mourinho, and every single one of those coaches have asked for certain players, asked for certain things and just, absolutely been ignored by the ownership and in the epl you hate to say it but there's coaching and there's money and you need money if you want to be a champions league team if you want to be a champions league winner a premier league winner so this year uh, we started off okay and we didn't do terrible um and we were doing pretty well in the champions league as well and of course, you know, things started to just kind of fizzle a little bit. There was an ongoing saga. Manchester United was supposed to sign Jaden Sancho. And it sounds like ownership kind of messed that one up too. They underbid. They didn't take it seriously enough. They took too much time and we never signed him. So, you know, it's been a little bit of a frustrating season. We did sign Donny Vandebeek from Ajax. He's been very fun to watch. Bruno Fernandez, the jersey I'm wearing right now, he's been a very fun player to watch as well. I enjoy him a lot. So there are positives. Uh, things could be worse, but you know, I think similar to James, our expectations are so much higher than than where these teams are currently at. Yeah, it's Donny Van de Bake, by the way. That would be my Wisconsin accent. So my apologies. J- James is big on pronunciation. Yeah, Donny Van de Bake. Now, now, Grant, you haven't talked about your own podcast yet. This is your first time returning to Pod on You Loons since venturing off and starting the second best Minnesota United podcast in the state. But uh, you got to find yourself a European like James who can come on and tell you how to say things, man. That's true. That's true. Uh, you know, I wasn't going to insert it into this podcast, but uh, I do also have a Minnesota United podcast the Dummy Run podcast with uh, Alex McCracken. We routinely pronounce things very wrong. Uh, as a former English major, you would think I would get these things right, but I get so excited and heated that I just, my mouth starts just spilling out all these thoughts and emotions and feelings. So yeah, eventually we will need to get a European on our on our team just to correct me when I'm mispronouncing things. Well, if you ever want to reunite the, uh, the Lod Bros... Good to know. Yeah, we could we could get a James we could get a James cosign here. I I approve of that. <laughs> but uh, to answer your 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 question overall, Manchester United is sitting right now ninth in the Premier League table, which, at the risk of sounding pretentious, th- that's just not where Manchester United fans expect their team to be. I would say the same for Arsenal as well. You know, seeing. Arsenal at 15, Man United at ninth, Man City even at at sixth for all of their four fans. Um, They're probably pretty bummed about that. We also started in the Champions League really, really strong. 
We had a great win against PSG, a 5-0 win against RB Leipzig, which RB Leipzig is a very good Bundesliga team. And then all of a sudden we just lost focus and we had a rough loss to Arsenal actually November 1st and our next Champions League game we lost to Istanbul. Uh, and I think that's kind of where it all started is once we lost to Istanbul, you know, we dropped another one. We actually beat them next, but then we lost to PSG and lost to RB Leipzig. So we bowed out of the Champions League. We are now returning to the Europa League, which is a bummer. It's a pretty big bummer, but here we are. This is this is the future for Manchester United fans until the Glazers are out. So, Well, I guess I would just say for Manchester United fans looking for that silver lining is that the recurring theme of this podcast is it is a tight Premier League table this year. Southampton, as much as I have a soft spot for Southampton, they're not going to stay in the top four all season long. There is a vacuum there that someone will fill, and there really isn't any separation up at the top either. All teams are dropping points this year. I don't know if it's because there are no fans. I don't know if it's because it's a weird year. I don't know if it's because of the parity of the league. But all teams are dropping points this year. It's not like the last few years where Liverpool and Manchester City are just miles ahead. You guys can catch up. I mean, if you look at the points, you're, I mean, you're totally right. If you look at the points, even Burnley, who's in 17th with nine points, it's not going to happen, but they could make some significant progress throughout the season. You know, so Manchester United, we're sitting five points, or excuse me, two points behind fifth place. That's what I was trying to say. So we could overtake Chelsea. I don't know. Who knows what will happen? This Manchester United team loves to drop points against bad teams and loves to pick up points against tough teams. So who knows what will happen? You're, you're channeling Arsenal. That's what I we know. love to do. We, we would lose to the top six, like always, but like beat basically the top half of the table apart from that. And then everyone who was in the relegation zone, we would just lose like 2-0 to. Yep. Yep. That's about right. The thing about Manchester United, though, you got to remember, uh, and I can't believe I'm talking you up at this point, is that you do have a game in hand over like everyone bar Chelsea, who you have two games in hand over. That's a good point. No, it's a good point. So We're you, at 11. Everyone else yeah. has 12. Chelsea has 13. Yeah, so that, I didn't even realize. Good catch. Good catch. Appreciate that. So you win, you win that game, maybe, uh, and you're like fourth or fifth. Yeah, and then it doesn't look so bad. We pull a little MLS, you know, Colorado Rapids action. If we do points per game, we're looking real good, <laughs> you know? Uh, Colorado. That's the dream. Sam, I'm really excited for the, for the next couple of questions on this list, so, so hit me with them because I'm, I'm ready for them. Well, yeah, Grant. So how is this season going to end up? Is Manchester United going to get into that top four? Are we thinking Manchester United could still compete for the title? How do you see this thing ending up? You know, I was going to answer much more negatively, but after James weighed in, I, I feel really good uh, about, about the Red Devils. But I would say Manchester United will probably sneak into the fifth spot by the end of the season. Um, I do not think we're title competitors i think our defense can be very leaky i think our offense can be unpredictable there's times where we look like we're firing on all cylinders that 5-0 win against rb leipzig was incredible against a, rb leipzig has a very good defense so that's that's the important part to mention so i would say probably fifth is my expectation for this year if i'm hopeful we'll claw our way higher but I just don't see it happening, truthfully. Okay. So why should our Minnesota-based listeners cheer for the soon-to-be fifth-place Manchester United? Oh. oh, well, if you've ever wanted to be hated as fervently as, as, as New England Patriot fans, but with none of the success lately, that's what being a Manchester United fan is like right now. Everybody hates you. We haven't won anything in forever. Your ownership refuses to put any money into the team to significantly improve it. But other than that, it's kind of fun, 
you know, it's it. We get some fun players every now and then. Every couple of years, when there's a new coach, we splash some cash on a new player. So we bought Bruno Fernandez. He's a lot of fun. We have Mason Greenwood, who's a young, exciting player. Um, there's a lot of potential to this team, and I think if you're looking on the optimistic side, we're only a couple pieces away from really being an elite team. If you're looking on the pessimistic side we will never get those pieces that we need. So, you know, you kind of take it as you will. If you want a team that has really great and fascinating and historic history, historic history, way to go, Grant, then then you choose Manchester United. If you want the only team that has ever won the treble, which is winning the Premier League, the FA Cup, and the UEFA Champions League, then you got to go with Manchester United. They'll never win the treble ever again. But we won it once. Now, guys, I don't think I half-assed this podcast. But this next little, I'm not even going to call it a segment. This next little mini segment, I am 100% half-assing. And that is, is that I promised for this podcast, for this episode, we would talk about all of the big six teams, Everton, and Leeds. And I did not find anyone willing to come on the podcast and talk about Manchester City. So guess what? The three of us, let's just half-ass Manchester City quick. I don't have any notes that I've prepared. You don't have any notes that you've prepared. But we have a few minutes right now before I say goodbye and see you guys later. What are our thoughts on Manchester City this year? Well, you know, I'll kick it off right off the bat. It's incredibly fitting that a manufactured plastic club like Manchester City has no fans <laughs> that want to come on the podcast. Exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> you took the words like right out of my mouth. Bunch of plastics. I mean, r- realistically, there is nothing that is really all that admirable about Manchester City. They're a team that really just had no previous great history. They had a massively rich investor. They brought on arguably one of the best coaches at the time and filled the team with pretty much the best players at the time. And they won a bunch of Premier League titles. If you spend the money, that's the frustrating thing about leagues that don't have salary caps is that of course if you are willing to find somebody who's gonna drop the massive checks they'll win you're gonna win i mean you'd have to mess up those city squads that won the premier league i don't know how you could possibly have messed up that lineup you just put the lineup you don't have to coach them you just put them out there you had vincent company and sergio aguero and Leroy Sané, like they, they had all the best players. So of course they're going to win. Sorry, I'm not going to stop. I'm not, I'm not going to keep complaining here, but. You talk about best players, but I mean, you still have to have the drama and the tension. You remember when uh, Aguero scored in like the 94th minute or 95th minute against QPR for like the most intense Premier League race when they beat Manchester United? Yeah, yeah. That was sure like what, well. 2011, 2012. Were you, were you uh, talking that first title winning season for Manchester City? Yeah, I think it's 11, 12 now, right? Yeah. yeah, I remember that year pretty well because that was that was the year that actually um, Doomsday Jeremy of the My Franchise podcast, that was when he and I first moved in together and we decided to up my cable package to get Fox Soccer. And that was the first game that we watched together on that new Fox soccer channel, which thank God is gone. Right. Cause that was the worst. Could you imagine going back to Fox soccer in this day and age grant? No, I mean, you say that and, and I think it is bad, but like nowadays with the NBC Peacock stuff, that's pretty rough too. I don't like that. I have to pay $5 extra a month for the Peacock, but the coverage is still solid. True. That's true. I mean, it's, it's better coverage. Don't get me wrong. I more just don't like the cash grab, but yeah, it is definitely better than, than Fox soccer was. It's a shame that city is pretty good because there used to be a good Manchester city joke that it obviously is pretty dated, but they said, uh, Hey, did you hear that Manchester city doesn't have a website? Yeah. It's because they can't string three W's together. 
<laughs> well, Brilliant. that'll make a good Arsenal joke now. Oh man, that's amazing. <laughs> I mean, how, to to actually talk about Man City like a little bit properly. I mean, obviously, sixth is just garbage for them. Five win, five draws. Um, but I mean, they're doing all right in the Champions League. They top the group. They let in one goal in six games, and they have a good squad and they have a deep squad, and they're going to be in this through the end. I predict they're in the top four of the EPL by the end of the season. I predict that they're competitive in the Champions League. Manchester City is a good squad. They're always going to be in the mix as long as they have this influx of cash. If we're doing them a little bit of justice, Minnesota-based fans, Minnesota United-based fans, your favorite post-game anthem, Wonderwall, by Oasis. Oasis, huge long-time Manchester City supporters from way back before they had the money. So if, you, if you're looking for a reason to latch onto a team, put two middle fingers in the air towards the haters, latch on to one of the most influential rock bands of all time and Manchester City. That's the best argument I can give you there for Manchester City. They also have Zach Steffen. Zach Steffen, yeah. That- so if you're getting patriotic. Yep, which we learned. Earlier today, Grant is very patriotic. Even my patriotism has its limits. So (laughs) good for Zach Steffen. I hope he gets traded or loaned. How about this one, Grant? How about this one? How does this stretch your patriotism? American All-Star and Badger great Rose Lavelle plays for Manchester City. Yeah, but Manchester United has um, blanking on her name. There's Manchester United United has Tobin Heath, yeah. Yep, Tobin Heath and one more. We have, uh, we have I think two. you have Sam Lewis too. Yeah, so I'm. You can say that I, I appreciate the Badger connection. You are you're pushing the right buttons, but to that rebuttal, we've got plenty of Americans on Manchester United. So, but there's only one Rose Lavelle, and I'm not saying that this is the reason I'm going to support Manchester City. I'm just saying, like, God, I'm torn because I want to hate Manchester City, right? Like I. I- I really want to hate Manchester City, but how do you cheer against Rose Lavelle? I would never cheer against Rose Lavelle. I would wish her all the best as she scores against every team that's not Manchester United and um, hope she doesn't get injured or anything befalls her. I wouldn't wish injury on anybody. I just won't cheer for Manchester City. You won't ever catch me doing that. No, I I think for me, the only time I would cheer for them is if they're playing Tottenham, but... (laughs) Yep. Cheers to that. You damn, damn straight. Or Liverpool. What do they call uh, uh, the the best Arsenal team that was undefeated? Was that the Invincibles? The right? Invincibles. I feel like nowadays Manchester City and Liverpool are the insufferables. I feel like that's what they are. Their fan bases, the team. I just, I can't stand it. And I like, I would love to find people who truly were Liverpool and Manchester City fans before 2008. I know there's a lot who who say they were. I know there's a lot who say they were, but how deep was their passion before 2008? Ah. Granted, I was watching Wayne Rooney and Ronaldo and Carlos Tevez, so I can't really talk because 2008 was a great time for Manchester United fans, but I mean, it wasn't that long ago though that people were talking about Liverpool the way that they're talking about Arsenal now where they're talking about the hole that they got to dig themselves out of. And they did. So I I work at a school in the Twin Cities where almost all the student population and over half of our staff are all Somali. And the joke was always when I started working there in 2011, when they would be talking about favorite teams, the joke was that all the old guys liked Liverpool because all the old guys started liking soccer when Liverpool used to be good. That that was the joke. And now Liverpool is good again. They had their rut, right? They had their rut in the middle of the 2010s. And why am I defending and Liverpool? 2000s. Why am I defending? And 1990s. Uh, <laughs> I don't mean to. Defend. I don't know. Stan, I, I don't know why you're defending Liverpool. We can just, you know. But I they had a long rut. I appreciate they had, it. Like, they had 30 years of rut. <laughs> That's a long rut. 
That's a long run. Like, I talk about the Invincibles, even though it was a long time ago, but Liverpool was even worse. Well, guys, I think that does Manchester City some justice, maybe. Uh, here's, here's, well, I mean, let me say two things about Manchester City. Number one, Gabriel Jesus, incredibly promising youngster. He's very exciting. Same with Phil Foden. Very exciting, very promising. Good for them. Uh, Sergio Aguero, don't touch refs. Just don't touch them. You know, hands off. You don't need to touch refs. Those are my thoughts. That's all I got left. Yeah, I mean, like you said, they have a strong squad. Like all those people you mentioned, Kevin De Bruyne, Bernardo Silva, mm. Fernandinho. All right, let's be honest. All right, I, I will, I'll say one genuinely nice thing about Manchester City. Kevin De Bruyne, and this is from a Bruno Fernandes fan, Kevin De Bruyne is probably the best attacking midfielder in the world right now. I mean, he's absurd. He's out of this world. You can make an argument for other players, but Kevin De Bruyne is truly the epitome of world class, in my opinion. And he used to be a Chelsea player, right? Yep. That's Played a bummer. A whole, a whole three games. He was a Chelsea player. It did not work out. <laughs> it's not like he went straight from Chelsea to Manchester City. I think he it was- didn't work out for him or didn't work out for you. <laughs> All of the above. <laughs> All the above. Well, he went on loan to Germany, then he transferred to a different German club, and then he came to Man City. Yeah. He's at Wolfsburg, right? Yep. yep. He went on loan to uh, Werder Bremen first, though. Well, guys, I appreciate you both coming on for the EPL special. It's time to get you guys going, and I'm going to bring back... Actually, we got to bring on some more guests we have coming to talk Liverpool, and of course, saving the best for last, we have Chelsea coming up as well. So I'll be very excited to hear your Liverpool guests' thoughts on Manchester United. If they've been a Liverpool fan for a long time, I'm sure they'll have lots of thoughts on on Manchester United. I've actually never met the guy. He, uh, I've talked to him a little bit, but he his name was brought up by Nate, and I recognized him as someone who had interacted with the podcast on Twitter. So I'm excited to hear from him too. All right, guys. Peace out. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Peace.